And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And today, in just a moment, we're going to talk to Lauren Wells. She's back after we were just talking beforehand. It's been like three years pre-pan, before the pandemic. She was on the podcast. She was on on a panel thing we did. But uh, anyway, uh, but since I'm on here right now, Lauren, welcome. Thanks. uh, Thanks for being with us. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, same here. We've, we've, yeah, we've changed, exchanged emails. That's about it. So um, good good to talk to you in person again, at least virtually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get into it, though, I want to I want to make an announcement. I just, uh, we, we had an ed- editorial meeting this morning, uh, talking to our editor, Ashley. She had a great idea, and I didn't, and uh, something we've been kicking around for a while. And we're going to start a new thing in the magazine probably most likely tied to our newsletter which goes out to a lot of people and got <coughs> sorry the pollen here is unreal just unreal let me get a sip of water and we're going to start again yep in three two one. All right, I'll just I'll just start that one from from the beginning. So we're starting a new thing in the magazine, and want to see if any of you are interested in maybe contributing to it, something new. And we're going to call it the story behind the photo. So if you have a single photograph that you're really proud of and it has an interesting story behind it. You can send that to us along with the story, and we don't have a form for it on the website, so you can just email it to editor at streetphotographymagazine.com. I'll put a link in the show notes of this show. Send the photo, size to 2,000 pixels on the long side, and the text of your article. It doesn't have to be very long, a few hundred words, you know, a few paragraphs. And if we like it, we'll put it in an issue of the newsletter and maybe we'll put it somewhere else within the, within our media empire. So I would love to see what you do and learn more about what's behind it. Okay. Now let's get on with the, uh, with the show. And Lauren's already said, hi, she's, uh, she's been with us a couple of times over the years. Uh, you know, she's, um, uh, we won't get into her history because you can always listen to those those uh, past shows. Um, but uh, she lives in New York City and former corporate attorney turned photographer. Anyway, so Lauren, yeah, welcome. Thanks again. So uh, before we get into things, what what have you been up to? What what kind of new things are you working on? Uh, let's see, new. Um. I'm trying to discover, uh, I I would say would be new. I'm trying to find, um, during the pandemic, I just, I was out. uh, And then I just wasn't interested in shooting. um, And I couldn't really shoot. But when things started to lighten up a little, the the energy was still a certain way that I just wasn't, I wasn't 
interested in what I was seeing or sensing. And now things are finally, I'm starting to feel that vibrancy in New York again, but I've changed a little bit. So I'm trying to find a new way to, um, to connect with respect to at least street photography. What am I, what do I want to say? Um, so I've just been shooting kind of not showing anything, just kind of playing around. Um, and it's a nice exploration. Uh, in the past, I would have been frustrated. Oh, I have nothing to say. I don't know what I'm doing out here. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. This is a new, a new phase, um, a new point of discovery. So um, as we talked about before, I'm, I'm starting to play around with uh, manual focus a little bit because uh, I'm an auto focus shooter and slow down. Um, and it's, I can't exactly put it into words yet, but it's something is, I'm noticing that I'm interested in something different than I was before. Um, and we'll see if it shows up in my work or not. Um, but, and we can talk about that in a bit if you want, but I don't want to go on and on. And then the, I'm still, uh, there's the stick ball, which I think the last time we spoke, I was in the editing phase. And then I went out of the editing phase af after seeing what I needed. And I went back for another two and a half years. And um, I think I've finally, think I'm finally done. Um, and I've sent it around to uh, see if anyone wanted to publish it just a, a small story and you know local publication uh, and then when I have the time and the money I I need to do a book this is the one thing I I want to give back to this community so badly because I am just so passionate about them and um, I would say more than the photography or just as important to me is the relationships I've developed and the love I've developed for them. And, and that's the beauty of having a camera. It's, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's an entree into. So have you shown that work at all? Um, then I know the book's a big project, but are you showing yeah. it in the community anywhere? Yeah, I've showed it. I've showed it at the Bronx documentary center, which was perfect. Um, way to show it because so much of the stickball took place in the Bronx and, or I, I shot so much of it there. And we actually, um, we combined it with uh, a stickball, an afternoon of stickball. So the Bron the BDC does um, every year they have a stickball day. And so I showed, we brought a, a large screen outside. We set up chairs in the street right after stickball game and a lot of the stickball players came from the community that i photograph and they came and they played stickball they were playing with the kids and then um for them to see uh themselves on the screen and all the heart and soul to show how much i cared about them was was really a beautiful experience um and it was at photoville it was on it went went traveling to some cities with the the fence it's a it's an exhibit that photoville does 
and uh, they had these really life-size tarps um, where they showed the photos on these fences around the country. And when they were done, they called me and asked if I wanted to, um, if I wanted the tarp, which is, oh my God, I don't, it's, it's huge. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take it up to the Bronx. And so I gave it to the, 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 the teams up there and they put it up. They, they tie it up on the fence um, whenever they play. So they get to see themselves and it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a present. Um, I know a photographer here in town who did a big series of photos and they printed them on these big canvas tarps like that. He must've had 20 of them. We have like this pedestrian mall. And he said that the cost to print it was like $20,000. Really? Yeah. All these big, they were big. Wow. Obviously, they didn't throw them away afterwards. Yeah, well, they do. Um, this uh, festival does often throw it away because nobody wants. What are they going to do with them? I mean, um, I couldn't keep it in my <laughs> New York City closet. Oh, apartment. Sorry, I meant to say apartment. Same size. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they do throw a lot away. Yeah, it's funny you said something new you're ready for something new is that maybe you don't even know what it is yet in, in terms of street photography or something different or who knows you'll just know it when you find it yeah i think i've learned i've learned so much about myself through photography and i think um i'm somebody who when i do something and i pour all my energy into it and it's done I don't want to go back out and repeat it. So um, street photography, when I was just out kind of shooting randomly, it was great for a little while. And then I needed a thread um, and I didn't have enough work. I wasn't working for 20 years where I could just put all my photos together as a manifesto of, you know, my street photography in New York or something. And so um, I started finding that thread and I think we've spoken about this before and um photographing children and and I had um uh, a series called growing up because I realized how much I love to photograph children I did the Coney Island um uh series and then when I found stickball it was I went deeper because I really got to know a community and it became more of a documentary project and I think to go back and shoot street randomly is just not enough um for me right now mm -hmm. uh, and I have this idea I had this idea before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and it's a really big pro I don't want to say anything because somebody could actually just run with it and I'm not ready to run with it tomorrow. Um, but I, I need a theme or a project. I get that. Same I here. Found it. Yeah. Same mm -hmm. here. So you were saying that, um, that um, stick ball, stick ball is over. Is it, did you just like run out 
of things to shoot or did you to because to me something like that that could go on forever and ever and ever because they're always playing stickball but is, did you just like eventually decide to abandon it no i think i i shot it to its core in terms of and that's another thing I've realized that I like. I like a stage where all the action, like I, Coney Island, it's all there. Stickball, it's all on that street. Um, somebody recommended, why don't I follow some of the players home and do that, you know, photo, like mm -hmm. some photojournalists do. And no, it was, they come here. They're, they put on their best face here. They are, this is their passion. This is where all this joy comes out. And, and there's only so much you can shoot. It's a very flat surface. So it's very hard to get different angles. I mean, I was bringing step ladders and getting on my back and looking up in huddles so that I could get all these different angles. But you have two teams, you have the crowd, you have the outfield, the batter. There's only so much for six years that you can capture um, at least telling that story, maybe there's another vignette in there that I just haven't thought of. But for now, um, I think I've I've covered it. You can't go out on the field, right? If I could, I would get a lot more in the outfield. These And then, so I have tens, I have 40,000 pictures, Bob. I mean, <laughs> a lot of them are crap because I'm try I was trying to shoot sports and shooting, continuous shooting. But even if I were, it was the hardest part was shooting the outfield because I couldn't go on the outfield and you have to learn how to follow the ball and not, well, stay put without trying to chase all the action around. And, but even if I got those shots, how many shots am I going to put in the story of the outfield or the batter? You can only have, you can't have 50 batters unless it's a book about batters. I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $3.75 per month with a one-year subscription, per month with a one-year subscription. And you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. Did you study sports photography? Um, read up on it? I Well, I knew... I learned what I needed to do, you know, a long lens. Um, and basically you just, you stay with, you put it on continuous shooting and continuous focus a lot, unless you're panning or something. Um, it's a different rhythm and every genre of photography has its, it has a different sense of timing. Um, like when I shoot events, I have to, and the speaker's talking, you have to make sure that the mouth is open in a certain way that it looks attractive when they're, and, and their eyes are open. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And this is also a timing thing. Um, and it's also being very patient. You have to allow the action to come to you 
so you you sit at first base for an hour and you just get what you get and um so you're not looking for the action so much you're just waiting for it to happen i just uh well maybe it was last fall uh, i really like the bnh podcast when they're mm-hmm. talking about things i'm interested in and they had a woman, a woman on who's a sports photographer and she was doing a thing on i mean she photographed you know world series and just all this stuff but she was following little league around the country but she was talking about the whole art and craft of shooting baseball in particular uh, what is her name is it i can't remember i can't remember you can look back in their archives it was probably last fall did she have a book out yes there's one woman who came to stickball um who had just published a book on baseball and it was just beautiful um, and I can't, it was something like fruit. I, anyway, I'll look it up and maybe we'll talk after and see if we're talking about the same. Yeah, person. it was, uh, yeah, it was really good. And she, I think she is from New York. So very possible yeah. it was her, but it's really interesting. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in, in sports photography, but I'd love the interview. You can make anything interesting. I mean, if you look at James Noctway, he makes war. I look he has there's such a visual um sensibility and and um sensuality to his work and it's war so um at least the, I don't know if we're talking about the same person but those photos of baseball were absolutely beautiful I'm sure they are I mean she photographed for Sports Illustrated so you can't be any slouch to do that and and her editor was on too on the show. It was oh wow, I have to go recommend back and it. To yeah, that. yeah. I think we're talking about the same person. Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's like you were talking about um, how people can make one genre so interesting, go so deep. I was talking. I was telling you, I was interviewed by a Baronex for Candid Frame. It's going to be on soon. Go listen to it. That's my favorite photography podcast. He's great too. Oh, he's really good. He's really good. Um, but he had a guest on a couple months ago, a woman named Anouk Krantz, and she did a, a book on um, cowboys, American cowboys, and about horses. And I thought, uh, you know, I'm not that interested in horses. I mean, you know, they're pretty and everything. And then I went to her website and looked at her photos. I go, wow. And I bought the book. I mean, it's like, it's huge, beautiful. So I have a lot. Of, I live in horse country and a lot of people live around here, big horse people. So I show them this book. And it blows them away. Called American Cowboys. You you made me think when I, I teach high school um, students photography and I'm always trying to tell them it's not the subject. It's, it's how not. you photograph the subject you're right so how about them horses yeah so be open-minded don't be like me i think you only (laughs) have to hear about one thing you know what interests me just looking at your work and particularly the stick ball is you know you've got a particular if you have your own vision right you know and you bring that forth and i just always been meaning to ask people is like how do you what do you see when you're 
going to take any kind of a shot? I mean, that's such a broad question for, you know, something that's unique to that one situation. But how do you see, what do you see? And how do I know what I see? Well, um, because of teaching, I've had to figure that out because I have to articulate to students. So let's see if I've figured it out or not. <laughs> um, well, you can practice on us. Yeah, exactly. We're all friends here. Um, well, first of all, just on the surface or to start with the foundation, I see in shapes and layers. And hmm. I don't know if that was always a natural thing or it's something that I learned, once I learned it, that's what stuck with me. Um, I don't tend to see in color. Well, when I, when I say that, I mean, I don't know how to see in color quickly enough to incorporate it because it is a separate subject to me. I can't tie all that information together quick enough. So color is above my pay grade, so to speak. Um, and, um, and, and light is something I notice consciously. Um, I look out for it, but it's not something that I just gravitate towards. It's the shapes and the, the layering. Um, and I also see, and this is what I try to teach my students, I see shapes in everything. I don't see the reality. And this is something I've taught myself to do. I don't think this was natural either, but I try not to see the reality in anything when I go outside to shoot. I see what could be, I always look at the frame as a stage and everything is a character on the, everything is either a prop or a character on the stage of a play. And so if I see a stop sign, um, and when I say a stage, I mean visually, um, not, not literally. So everyone has their mark on the stage and um, it's supporting the story, whatever is on that stage. And so if I see a stop sign, I try to tell my students, what is this? And they'll say a stop sign. I'm like, no, it's not a stop sign. It's a hexagonal shape with a vertical uh, line coming. And if you can take the reality out of things then you can really start to use everything uh, um, everything, everything's in play. So you say it's on a stage. So basically it's the frame. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and there are times when, um, people get in my way or things get in my way of what I'm trying to shoot. And I ask, well, can I use this? as a layer, so to speak, or, or, or something to frame the subject rather than me seeing it as um, an invasion of the space. Can, can I, can I make it useful? Can I be resourceful with it? And sometimes I can. So when you're teaching your students, do you 
teach them how to see or do you pay attention to how they see and help them use that? Oh, that's a good question. I initially start teaching them how uh, because they come in with, well, they've all taken pictures before, but I initially teach them how, and then I start looking at how they are seeing uh, on their own or after they have learned something that we've taught. Um, And sometimes I learn from them you know, that they see in ways, because we all see differently, you know, and it's exciting. Um, and other times I'm seeing what they're not seeing. And so how do I instruct them and guide them so that they get it? And it is the hardest thing to do is to teach that. Um, when I teach composition and uh, they so we'll teach leading lines and for some reason my high school students at least that's the one they they grasp the fastest and they love it and then they'll show on the big screen their work and look at those leading lines yeah but it has to lead somewhere and they and to and that's where that content piece that story piece that thing that is hard to define in words comes in and it usually takes them the whole year for them to get a sense. That's it's the hardest thing. How do you teach what matters? Yeah, especially when it's different every time you click the shutter. Right, and you can. I've learned that I can only teach it through example. Like, look at this photo. Why did which one is better and why? And they that's how they they get it. Did you learn how to do? do that or just from doing it for a number of years you figured it out well i'll tell you how i figured it out because i was getting bored uh and there's a lot of street photography oh, i shouldn't say a lot but street photography can go from the most superficial of photos which are beautiful to look at and to a much deeper level on a human you know, humanity level or evoke some sentiment or emotion um and I was doing the when I started out I think I was doing more of the superficial like you know this everything's in order um just compositionally that's what I was focused on no pun intended and I was getting bored and I realized it was because it wasn't from my soul you know, I want to connect with others. I want to, um, I want to feel something. And that's what turns me on about other people's work. I have to feel something. Yeah. Even if it's bad, at least you're feeling right. something. Right. Make, make me care one way or the other. Um, not, not the photo being bad, but the feelings that evokes. Exactly. Right. Bad. Yeah. Right. So, and then, I mean, it's interesting that you are starting, you started this podcast with the announcement about the story behind the photo. Yeah. And I love that because this happens with anyone who is, um, who's getting started in photography that have you ever done a portfolio review or you looked at someone's work where they're sitting right there and they, they start telling you the story about um 
what's happening in the photo. Like there's a picture of a guy talking to another guy and then he'll, someone will say, well, this guy just found this guy's wallet and he ran five blocks and he, and oh my God, it was, but you can't see that in the photo, but they're very attached to the photo because of that story. But if there's a good visual story, whatever that means, and you've got this whole backstory, well, then that's even better. So I think it would be so exciting to see the story behind a good photo. Look, a lot of photos that are pretty average um, and then wind up asking about it sometimes as you know, even say, well, you know, it's a little weak, whatever. You don't know what I went through to get that. I had to like, <laughs> you know, cross this, swim across this river and climb this thing. Okay. But it's still a boring picture. Right. Oh, cry me a river while you're at it. <laughs> wow. Who cares? Nobody cares. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. But, but that's, that's something that everyone has to learn, including myself. I, I was, and you get attached to, and a good photo it would be even more interesting because with a good photo, we make up our own stories as a viewer without knowing. And then when we hear the backstory, it, yeah, I think that would be really great. You know, what I found interesting is um, finally you're, you're getting ready to do a workshop. I know a couple of times I talked to you, we're going to do one in, in Seville in Spain, but yeah. it just never worked out because of, COVID, of course, but you're doing one right in your hometown, which, yes. I, you know, and what you're doing in Manhattan and Coney Island, right? Yeah. So we're doing, um, uh, this is with Leica Academy and I work for Leica Academy and they, we are doing, um, uh, it's called learning to see. Um, and it's the, the lecture is going to take place in Manhattan. Uh, it's a weekend. It's in the middle of August. I think August twelfth and thirteenth. And the, the we're gonna I'm gonna do the lecture in Manhattan and really kind of build how do you create a good photo and then how do you create a good series of photos from the photos, which are two different things. But starting with the beginning of there are a lot of. Uh, photographers I, I was the same you don't know what you don't know um and I remember having to go back over the foundational aspects of a, of photography or composition or composing a frame in order to get to that step we talked about which is the story or the emotional content or something so um we, we so I'm I show the I give you the building blocks to that and then how do we get to the next step and that's all in Manhattan then we take the um we're all going to take the subway together which is opportunity to shoot for sure and then and then we spend the whole afternoon and evening in Coney Island um which is a great place for so many reasons um but you can't not find something there and um and there's there's a helpful energy in the air like people are often open to being photographed um 
and um and then we will go then we're back in manhattan and we're doing editing how to edit how to sequence um on sunday and sunday they can shoot in manhattan in the morning if they want because they have the morning off um but it was something that I learned from my high school students about how to break things down without talking about photography, just speaking a very, very basic language. Because um, every industry has its language. I was a lawyer. We speak this legalese that nobody understands. <laughs> and photographers, oh, stop down and, you know, uh, open up. And it can be intimidating for people, um, even if they're, they have experience. I think it's, um, I love finding ways to, because everybody learns differently. So I, I try to teach from every different aspect, um, verbally, hands-on, um, you know, I'm sure. Yep. You know, yep. Everybody has a different learning style. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, that sounds pretty, a like a pretty fun. intensive weekend. They are, the, these kind of workshops are intense. And the ones I've taken in the past that are a weekend, I've gotten so much out of them because somehow, because it's so intense you don't even realize what you're getting until it's over. Like you, I saw, um, I was doing, I was helping out with, uh, there was a, a Larry Fink, like I had a Larry Fink, jo Joseph Michael Lopez workshop last weekend for yeah. Memorial Day. And um, I was helping out there and helping with portfolios and, and stuff. And uh, the growth from the first day to the second day to the third day was just incredible wow so if you go to one of these leica academy workshops do you have to have a leica or can you oh, bring no. any camera oh that, you okay can bring any camera okay and the, the great thing is um yeah that confuses people a little sometimes yeah. uh, the uh but they do have on loan so you bring your own camera but if you want to try out a leica for the day well, or they They'll give you what you want. Just don't lose it. Um, I it's insured, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I did that in in Miami, uh, the the festival. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I had like a, had an M10. Oh, it was nice. I had a lot of yeah. misfocus, but you know. <laughs> It's a whole, it's a whole other beast. To, yeah, it is. To, it, it is not so okay. tough on the street, you know. If you're stopping down and yeah, and the, the thing with those lenses is, you, you know, it's got that big tab on it. And you know where it is, and after a while, you you develop muscle memory to have it in the right place. Yep, it, you're right. It's and I'm learning that now. Um, we were talking before it's uh and that's what's helping me to slow down and yeah and rethink um you know there's also something you asked about seeing and i realize as we're talking 
when I started off saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm interested in next. With street photography, at least for me, there was so much hunting. Yeah. And looking versus seeing. And I think yep. there's a difference. Yes, there is. And in looking to find something, that was so exciting and it was fun for a while, but it's also stressful. And maybe from the pandemic when I was just sitting back a lot and you know, yeah. that, that I just got more quiet with myself. And I, I, I really want to allow and to see rather than have to find something. Um, I know it might sound a little, I don't know. I don't, but that's what I'm discovering that. Um, and maybe it's, it's also a change in ego that I, I don't need to bring back something to show, Oh, look at the photo I took or, or, or make me feel better for myself. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's more, I, just, I don't, I don't know. I want to just go out and explore and let the world come to me instead of me having to manipulate it by finding something interesting. I, I don't know if that even makes sense. I'm kind of working this out. You're my therapist, Bob. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I, it seems like when you're, when you eventually let go and don't care as much, it, seems to come to you yeah. you know i i've i've been updating my portfolio my website and my personal one I, I spend so much time on the magazine side i don't pay attention to my stuff but uh, so i've been updating it and a lot of the photos i've chose i'm trying to stick to like no more than 10 in a mm -hmm. category i made with my iphone and it was just it was the only camera I had. It wasn't even just doing photography, but I happened to have it if I saw something interesting. And a big percentage of them were just phone iPhone shots because I wasn't trying to do it. Right, right. And it just happened. When you got the camera, okay, I've got to use this thing. Yep. I'm going to make something great. Oh, and spot on. Yeah. Even There's... if it's a picture of my daughter's dog or something. I mean, they just seem to come out better because I don't care. Right. Isn't that amazing when you, yeah. just, you don't care. It's when it happens. Uh, but it also shows that you're just able to see because you are using that iPhone. It doesn't matter what tool you have. No, I mean, no. And it's easy to frame too. You got that big screen. You know, so yep. Unless you're in bright sunlight, button. but yeah, I'm still not good at phone photography. I because I am so used to buttons or the way my hand wraps around something, it's actually hard for me to take a good photo with my phone. It's but, easy to miss, um, yeah. But and also a lot of times, um, like where I teach these high school kids, I used to teach. We used to teach them um, the technical stuff first. And now I started teaching composition first or mm. how to see first, because it, um, I taught, uh, I did a 
workshop at the New York Public Library. I had the, the assignment was <laughs> I had to teach librarians how to teach street photography to their patrons. Oh and I God. said, oh boy, this is not <laughs> gonna. <laughs> so I said, no, I'm gonna teach them how to see and they can use their phones. And they came away so empowered that they didn't have to get intimidated by yeah. technical aspects, which, and one of them came up to me after and said, you know, I quit photography because uh, the technical stuff I just couldn't get. And mm -hmm. the other way around, it'll motivate you to discipline yourself to learn that because you, you found mm -hmm. a way, a creative way to express yourself. So what a great idea. Yeah, what teaching librarians or well, <laughs> no, I know, use, well I basically using using the phone to teach people how to how to see. Yeah. Yeah, to Anybody. show it's exactly. And it's a skill, it's not a talent. If you have talent, it helps, yeah. That's, it helps, but you need the skill for sure. You need to know what you're doing. Um and and that's also like I have a couple of students um, who are they have a style they they really have something but they don't know they're just shooting they're not conscious yeah. of the process yet yeah. so yeah building that skill is um, can really um, help enhance your talent of course and vice versa. Yeah, sometimes it's a bad thing that pixels are free. Mm -hmm. then you just just take too much. That's one of my problems. I shoot too much. Or, but but it's so to me, shooting too much is equivalent to not being conscious when you press yeah. the shutter. Yeah. If you take a hundred photos in an hour and you were conscious during every one, then you're not shooting too much. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, you asked me earlier, said, are you shooting film? And off and on, not a lot. What about you? Are you shooting film? No. Nope. No. I started on film, but I never, you know, I would always send stuff to, when I was learning. I yeah. would always send stuff to the lab. And um, I would love to uh, go back to film the only issue is, is I really like um, the post-production process. Well, I don't, I shouldn't say I like it. I'd much rather be out shooting, but yeah. I want to do it. And I don't want to send my photos to a lab. Yeah. My thing about New York though, unlike other cities, there's actually places you can go to rent. Yeah, but then that's a, yes, it is. It's just there goes my yeah. whole day, and <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a lot. Um, but I think I may just go back to it and flirt with it, uh, and it, during this time of self discovery, anyway. We'll yeah, see. and they, you know, they have a new developer for black and white, or I guess it's just one chemical. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I was talking to um, Mike, telling you Paul Reed the other day, and he, I, I had remember reading about this a while ago, but uh, 
um, yeah, it's one, it's just one chemical, one process. And, and then when you're done with it, you pour it back in the bottle and you can use it again. And huh? so I, I don't know. I, I have a scanner at my son's photo scanner. I thought, well, you know, maybe I should shoot film and scan it or, and, uh, see what I get. That's what I need is another thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish I I wish I had time to need another thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't have time. Yeah. But that's a good thing too. Well, that's cool. So um well before we go, you gotta tell everybody how they can find this workshop of yours. So if if you go on to um Leica Academy USA website, uh and you, the easiest way to just would be a search and search my name or Coney Island and it'll be there. And they'll have a scrolling thing at the top, but I don't think um, it's up there yet. It might take another week or two till it, it's on the top of the scroll. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'll put it on, I guess I put it on my website and uh, I should yeah. probably put it on my Instagram too. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Well, do me a favor, send me a link to it, and we'll put it in the show notes for this. Oh, great! For this, that'd uh, be great. Show. so because that's uh, that's a nice opportunity. Just, I mean, it's in New York, so if you're living yeah. on the East Coast, uh, it's easy to get to. It's cheap to stay there. Really cheap. Yeah, and in, no, in August, <laughs> it's well, well, but in August, well, I don't know. It yeah, August, crazy. yeah, not crazy. Things calm down a little bit, but mm -hmm. um, uh, and I love to teach. That's one thing I've discovered. It really, I get so excited when the light bulb goes off for somebody. Yeah. Nothing like it. No feeling like it. Yeah. It's really rewarding. So, um, yeah, and it'll be an intimate group, we hope. It'll be Good. fun. That's the best way, small groups. You know, you make connections and things like that that stay with you the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You are all right. Yeah. yeah. So what is your – give us your, your – your, uh, Oh my God, I'm running out of gas here. That thing. What, what's the link to your website? I <laughs> your Lauren Instagram. Wells, which is L-A-U-R-E-N-W-E-L-L-E-S dot com. And my Instagram is the same, Lauren Wells. Wow, nice. With an, with an E-S. Yeah, like e Orson, no yeah. relation. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, that's um, great. That's great. Well, Thanks, Lauren. I'm glad we were able to catch up here. It's been a while, so. I know. It's always a pleasure, really, to speak with you. 